Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And I have another awesome guest for you today, and I'm sure you're going to love what she's got to say. This lady helps companies and people become the best versions of themselves. She guides them to define, build, and live the behaviours and the actions that will fuse customers to them and ultimately create deep and memorable relationships. She's had a singular mission of building these deep relationships for over 35 years, first as the inaugural Chief Customer Officer at Land's End, Colder Banker, Allstate and at Microsoft. Then, since 2002, she's been guiding leaders, all over 20,000 around the world, to understand that improving their lives should be their most strategic and important vision. In a marketplace that values congruence of heart, what you know is right, and habit, how you act, the memory of how you make people feel is the greatest currency of your brand. Please welcome, fondly known as the godmother of customer experience, Jean Bliss. Jean, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be with you today. Happy holidays. And happy holidays to you, although we'll probably send this out in about January, so maybe it'll be happy new year. But I know so... it's always funny when you record ahead of things, so I just messed up your timing, but oh well. <laughs> it it's uh, well no one expects us to be live, do they? You're on the other side of the world to me, and it's it's so lovely for you to take some time. Thank you so much. You're in Seattle today, is that right? Are you, I you am, and it's or... my pleasure to say hello to my friends across the pond and across the world. I know you get a lot of people um listening to your conversations oh from all over the place which is which is absolutely great and you know to, to talk to, to different people to get great ideas it's really very wonderful and i've just been looking at your new website gene wow that's great have you spent oh you must have spent a huge amount of time getting that sorted out it was a year actually james what's interesting is that I um, really wanted to take the time and enjoy the process. Um, uh-huh. And so I allowed myself something I don't usually do, which is the breathing, the thinking, um, time and process to to do it right, not do it fast. Right. Perfect. And so you've given, you've given well, what looks like a huge amount of thought to, to how businesses develop as well through, through looking at what you're doing these days. But That's you started right. back in a little shoe shop. Was that where the story began? It did. Thank you for that. Yes, I learned about humanity and business by, as did all of my brothers and sisters, I come from a family of seven Italian children, you know, they keep wow, what procreate. A, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's um, a big Christmas party, that really is. <laughs> yes. So we, we learned about humanity and business by watching our dad, um, Vincent Lombardo. He had a Buster Brown shoe store in a teeny little town in, near Chicago, near the airport. Um, and 
he sold children's shoes, Buster Brown shoes. And he, he became an iconic part of people's lives because he was, you know, the first one to put a pair of shoes on a mom holding her baby in her lap. And he became a part of the story of people's lives. And um, the story that I tell on my new website is that when he retired, a line of people three blocks long stood to say goodbye to him, um, including wow. Mrs. McCaskey, the, the mother of uh, the Chicago Bears with a Bears T-shirt signed by all the Chicago Bears. And, oh, and all these people just standing to say goodbye to him, that he had become a part of the story of their life. And so I, I thought to myself, you know, this is the work that we're really doing is about legacy. Right. And, you know, taking a note from my dad, what I'm nurturing, nudging people to do is to find their three blocks long, live your legacy. How do you want to be remembered? It's a really interesting concept though, because like so many people talk about the here and now or what we're doing in the next five years or, or, or things like that. But actually, how do you want to be remembered is a really lovely way to, to look at the world. What was it that was so special about your dad that made people queue that far to come and say hello and goodbye? You know, it was, he, he, was, he was very human and real and authentic. Um, he cared about the life more than making money, and that's actually what made him prosperous. You know, sometimes the mom would want to, pick out a shiny shoe with jingle bells or whatever on it. And he'd say, no, we, we need to put this fundamental, you know, 25% less money or whatever shoe on your little one's feet. And, you know, sometimes the, I've, I actually talked about him in one of my books, you know, I said, sometimes these young moms would open up their pocketbook and they wouldn't have enough money. And my dad would say, get those shoes on your little one's feet, bring back the rest when you're in town. And, right. um, you know, he couldn't leave the store. So he had a hot plate in the back and he'd make sausages and peppers and oh my God, garlic. <laughs> and if you showed up, he'd come from the back of the store with a fork of whatever for you to have as well. You know, and it was, it was just, and, and it, that's why on this new website, especially at this point in my life and my career, I think it's, we connect with people and we connect with people who show up as real and authentic. And those are the people that we want to, not just do business with, but, but be connected with. And he, he was like that. He, I, I call him my version of Geppetto. <laughs> Fantastic. It's so, interesting. Yeah, it, was, I, it was an honor. And, and then for me also, after, after my dad, I got to go to uh, a, almost the same kind of leader, but at a, in a larger scale when I went, when I went to Land's End. So I had these uh, really amazing, um, early and fundamental guideposts about how to behave in business. Do you know, I, I, the first time I went to the States, I stayed with a friend of mine who was living in Denver at the time, and he said to me, you know, you've got to get some shirts while you're here, um, <laughs> get these Land's End ones. And, um, you know, coming out of England where at the time, it was a long time ago now, but, you know, next day delivery and stuff was just a, you know, it was something we dreamed of. Um, and I remember ordering these things and the process, it was all on the phone and the process yep. was so nice, so smooth, so easy. Um, and it really got me thinking a lot about, you know, why can't we have this everywhere? Um, well, and I guess that was, that, that was your, your doing it. Yes. I trained the phone operators. What year was that? 
Oh, goodness, now you're asking. Um, I'd say that was probably around 2002, maybe a okay. bit earlier. Yeah, so I um, I was there in the very beginning from 1983 uh-huh. to 1993. So we built all of the foundational things that you got to experience um, yeah. We were the first company to have an 800 number. We we were the first company that did so many things because we thought about the life. For example, um, in my job after training the phone operators was the first version of like a chief customer officer for Land's End. Gary Comer, actually, the founder, called me the conscience of the company. We were growing so fast. And, you know, as you grow, you bring people into the business who may not have the same cultural ethos um, of the company that has gotten you to a point. And so my job was to make sure that in a very gentle and caring way, we help these people recognize and understand how we made decisions, which was very almost contradictory to how a lot of companies did. And one of the things that we did, especially, you know, we're not, people won't be hearing this in the holidays, but we're in the, in the, in the heart of it right now. One of the things was in the old days, you'd buy something from a catalog, it would come in a plastic bag, and then you had to go to some store to find a box to put it in and then ship it yourself. And um, I said to our guys, you know, we need to have a gift wrapping service. And they're like, you are out of your mind because everything is automated on these trolleys and the boxes come down yeah. and there it's all very automated. We have people who are packing, but we had to take the stuff out of the plastic bags, we had to come up with very special UV coated boxes that could take our print pick tickets without destroying it. Um, and so we created the very, very first, for example, <coughs> boxing service in the catalog industry so that it truly was seamless for you. And it was so much fun. We were just making everything up from scratch. Nobody had done so much of this stuff before. And it's stuff that you kind of take for granted these days. When, when you ask me what year is, I'm, I'm one of these terrible people. You say, how old is your son and what year was he born? And I have to get my, my mind back in time because I was that, that was 96 when I did that. So yep. it was it was because it was just pre-internet really or pre the real internet. Yes. Um, well, you know the whole thing on all the websites that says order by this date to get for Christmas delivery? Yeah. That was us. Fantastic. We came up with the first guarantee dates. And in fact, we not only guaranteed the date, we said, and this is some of the stuff I had to convince them to agree to. We said, if you don't get your order by Christmas, you can have it for free. Oh my goodness. Like in a, you know, they were like, oh my God, we're going to give away so many things. People are going to lie. I said, people will not lie. The first year we did that, I think we gave away maybe a total of $6,000 in free orders. Okay. And that's, uh, I can imagine the, the jaws dropping or the people falling off chairs around the board table. But, you know, that when people talk about things like that, it always there's always the, the third-party problem, isn't there, that, you know, it's all well and good guaranteeing delivery, but what if the if the mailing service goes wrong or, or something else goes wrong? And I can see why people get stressed about it. But nowadays it's just, you know, well, Amazon come the same day, so why shouldn't everybody be able to? Right, do that? but you know, this was gosh, nineteen ninety. You know, yeah. the dark ages, and um, we were we were really. It, it was how we did business, anyways, which was trust, transparency, and that's really going back to my website. So many of the conversations that are not being had as part of a customer experience effort or transformation. We're not thinking about, 
okay, who do we want to be as people? How do we want to show up in the world as a legacy? And then how will we then translate that into how we behave and operate and in our behaviors as leaders? And and that to me is kind of the gauntlet I've taken up now. I believe that we, without that, this work is, is really a lot of tactics, but but as soon as the zealot who's driving it leaves the room, your company isn't going to stay at that pace. It will it will revert back to business as usual. So um, that's really why I'm working on it the way I am. And when you go to my website, why it looks so it doesn't look like a business website, right? It looks like a business about talking about human beings and people. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to ask you, you know, when you talk about humanity and business, because I know you talk about it a lot, what does that mean? Well, it means deciding how you're going to treat people, um, making the foundation of how you grow your business, um, honoring people, respecting them, um, honoring your own people, and then translating that to your behaviors. You know, here's what's interesting and and paradoxical. In, In a world of technology, right, where technology can be so important we need to first start with the human that we're building the technology for versus getting so excited about the technology that that defines who we are, right? Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's it's realizing and remembering and never forgetting the human at the end of our decision. And then also making sure that in what we do, who we are as people becomes evident in how we act. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely it does. And you said something there that's really interesting. You said never forget the human. Um, But so many businesses do. Why do they do that? I just think we're on autopilot, James. It's it's a lot of um, we're quarterly inclined. We become very internally focused on our metrics and our key performance indicators and what we need to get done or what we want to get or achieving our own red, yellow, and green dots. And we lose the forest for the trees. You know, on my new here page, it says we're focusing on the mechanics, not the meaning of our work. Um, You know, so one of my favorite examples is REI. Do you know REI? It's a U.S.-based company, but I think they may be global too. Not sure. No, I know them, yeah. 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 So REI is a company that is about being outside and community and everything. And you you got to live your legacy. Their legacy is about people and living outside and community and all of that. And so uh, they shutter their doors of all their stores on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And that is a leadership decision, very deliberate one, to live who they are, to live their legacy. That's fantastic because that Black Friday thing, it's, it's, it's so big in the US, obviously. It's become a big thing here over in the UK. Um, and it seems to be driven, for me, in my mind, by just, you know, businesses just being extraordinarily greedy. You know, how can we make an extra buck out of people when, you know, yeah, they haven't got any to spend in the first place? It is interesting. I mean, I, and it's hard. It's very hard. What happens, you know, the, the engine of how the business has grown or run is – built right and um these are decisions 
to grow in a different way. And it takes a leader. I, that's why I call it leadership bravery. It takes a brave leader to be willing to live through perhaps a bump down to pivot and bump back up, right? It, because they're growing in a different way. They're growing for their service and their experience and what they add to value in people's lives and who they are as people um, versus the practices of what I call an everyday company. And so I think that um, that's the risk. And th this bravery isn't, it's hard to practice this bravery. And this bravery doesn't and won't occur from some of the things that in a very well-intended way are defining some of our experience work, such as even when we do journey mapping, we're mapping for problems versus um, future or innovate, you know, inspiration around customer needs, even though that's there, making those hard decisions around who we will be and how we will show up may or may not be um, part of the ultimate solution that's arrived at because leaders want to know, well, what's the ROI of this? What's the ROI of that? Um, some things take a while to earn the ROI on. Some things take a generation to run a no ROI. But this, when, if, I'm, if I'm sitting listening now, I'm sitting in my business, I'm, I'm not a big business, but I'm, I'm ambitious. Where do we start? I know you talk about competencies. Where does a leader start by looking to, to start to think about how do I make this bigger and better? Sure. Yeah, I actually have a blog post coming out next week that that starts to frame how do you build your three blocks long. And the first thing is you need to know it. So have clarity about what your purpose is and how what you do in the world um, that will improve lives. Because a lot of companies don't start there, right? They're yeah. what they do is the outcome of all their little pieces of the company, or they're on autopilot. So you need to really have clarity around that. You need to know it. Um, what do you do? And not only what you do, then how do you how do you want the attributes of what you do to show up? How do you want the attributes of who you are as people to show up? Do you want to show up as caring, nurturing, transparent, fearless? You got to you got to know that. If you don't know that, you'll be all these different things at different times. The second thing, so once you know that, now then you say, okay, now I have to build that in my behavior. So when somebody reaches you, reaches out to you for the first time, let's say, a traditional company would think, oh, it's a sales funnel, and I'm going to do a bunch of stuff um, that is salesy. Well, if you've decided instead you're going to be a company that is generous to a fault, you're not going to start with a sales orientation, but with a giving orientation of mm -hmm. even if we never do work together, here's all the things I want to provide you to help you decide what's important to you, what you need, and figure out even what problem you're trying to solve. I call that no strings attached giving. Right. But, but every company doesn't think that way, right? So you need to know it then you need to build it into your operating plan. If you don't know it, you can't really build it. Does this make sense? I absolutely, it does. That that gift, you know, the, the gift of giving is an important thing. I'm, yep. I'm, you know, 
And, and again, that, maybe that's not who you are. Maybe your thing is we're going to be a technology company that helps you be more efficient, you know, but just as long as you know it, know it, give it. And then the third part of it is live it. So you need to live it in your behaviors as a leader and in what you do. So you show people the behaviors they can model. So what, what are those behaviors? If, I, if for Leaders are always growing. Obviously, leadership is something that takes time to develop. What, what are, the, what are the, the, those attributes that leaders should be trying to build, those behaviors they should be trying to improve? Well, so let's say, um, <clears throat> let's say you say you're, you want to build trust and you're a trusting company, mm-hmm. um, but yet you don't trust your front line uh, to make a call about exceptions for customers. Or you don't trust your customers when they say something failed. You've, you know, you force them to do a whole bunch of things. Um, or you say that you want to be, so it's really what I call congruence. Are you, and, and you read it in my opening, are you, are you acting with congruence to what you say you are? You know, we're, we're an advisory company, but, you, but yet you send your salespeople on so many sales calls to meet a quota that they can, it's kind of like being in and out of a doctor's office, right? 10 minutes and you're done. You're like, wow, what was that? Yeah. Um, so this, this word of congruence becomes really critical. Are you living, are you living what you say you are and are you making decisions about how to run the company in that manner and then saying to the rest of your organization the why we made this decision because and you can now do this too in your life so uh, the godmother of customer experience Give, tell, tell us about that story Wait a minute. <laughs> i did not name myself the godmother of customer no experience. no <laughs> i would i'm sure you that didn't really it. creepy Um, I have been doing this work, as I mentioned, since 1983 um, and have kind of come up through the world as a practitioner, which I think is important to my community. I think they they see me as somebody real who's had that same rock strapped to their back that they have. And um, since 2002, I've actually been coaching and guiding leaders around the world um, on how to do this. And then wrote the very first book in 2006 on the role of the chief customer officer, another book in 2009, um, another book in 2015, another book in 2018. Um, I'm also the co-founder of the Customer Experience Professionals Association. And so I think that I I call myself the old lady of the sea. I've been around (laughs) for so long and I'm a giver. And so I think that through what I've written and how I've written it. And, you know, for example, my book that came out in 2015, Chief Customer Officer 2.0, I essentially wrote down my whole consulting methodology in a book. And a lot of people said, you know, you're crazy. You're going to lose clients because you're giving away your methodology. And I said, you know, I don't see it that way. Um, and, And it hasn't been that way for me. So I think that I think that it's just that I've been a voice and also the manner in which I've given, which is, you know, 
again, starting with my dad and who I am as a person and the Italianness is um, nurturing. Well, there's a, there's a lovely trait of Italian families. My, my family are Jewish, but it's not wildly different. That's very close, um, very much the same. Yeah. It's looking after people and 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 being uh, being the best possible person or the best the best person you can be. I was just going to say, there's a funny thing on um, my website, which I think you'll be able to relate to. Um, on the download section, uh-huh. I'm there actually holding a bag of groceries. And uh, we were in an Italian deli, and the, what it says is, um, I'm Italian, and you could just insert Jewish, right? I mean, it's so much similar. <laughs> if, you are Italian, if you are Italian or have Italians in your life, you know we are givers and feeders. <laughs> Whenever we go to anybody's house, or my family or friends, none of us can leave without a bag full of food or from someone's pantry or plates of tinfoil wrapped food. And you'd better be careful if you compliment what they are wearing or something they own from a lamp on the table to the shirt on their back. It's yours. Yeah. It's going home with you. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I just, I was just thinking, no, a really good friend of mine is a, is an English guy with Italian background. His family are near Naples. And, uh, he was telling me a story recently of going back home to, to visit family and, going from one auntie's house to the other and each of them saying, you're hungry? No, I'm not hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ate, I ate at her house and she, she, what did she make you? She made me this, oh, hers is no good, try mine. And by the oh, time yeah. we finished, oh, yeah. totally. house to house to house to house. Yeah, yeah. In, um, in my keynote on my book called Would You Do That to Your Mother, I talk about my grandma, uh, my dad's yeah. mom, and I don't think we ever saw her sit at a table, James. She Instead, she would like hover behind us. It was a little scary. She'd be walking behind us with these huge bowls of food and she would just plop the food on your plate, whether you wanted it or not. And (laughs) and then she would stare at you while you and make sure you freaking finished that plate or she'd come and slap you on the side of your head, you know? <laughs> I I had I, I, I know we're, we're diverging quickly, but I, I had Auntie Rushka who who lived in Tel Aviv, and whenever you um, went to her house, if you turned your head for a moment, she would put something on your plate while you weren't looking. And it was just yes. that kind of project. Absolutely fantastic. What is going to be your three blocks? My three blocks long is. I think helping companies, helping people, it's not about companies even, helping people become the best version of themselves and making sure that I show up as the best version of myself. And and it's this generosity of giving, fearless giving, fearless giving to help people show up as the best version of themselves. In a world that's gone really silly internet, you know, it is the shop window for almost everything and every, you know, all our customers are a click away. We talked before about Land's End and, and that being a kind of phone process. And, and I, I've got to tell you, I love the, I love telephone businesses. I love that human communication. Yes, I call people all the time, James. Like I phone, I call it phone bombing because I just want to hear human voices. It's, uh, it's something that I struggle with with a lot of my clients, particularly with the younger clients, trying to get them on the phone, rather get them away from keyboards, stop typing, stop tapping away, start talking to people. But when we do, you know, the world is as it is and it's not changing and we can feel, you know, I feel a bit like a fossil when I talk like this, but how do we make our communication on, our digital communication more human? Well, I think that 
you know what's interesting is even in Twitter and chat and all of these online mechanisms, um, again, it doesn't take that much time, but it's a deliberate decision about deciding what your voice is and your tone is and working with the people who are doing and responding, even in mechanical mediums, um, even on your paperwork. And, you know, there's whole companies who can help you with this, by the way. Um, And, and tone and voice um, and, and using real words, not acronyms and businessy language um, becomes, it breaks through it like pierces the third wall, right? Let's say, you know, um, you bring up a chat box and instead of it, instead of it saying, hello, how may I help you today? It says something like, how's your day going? Or, you know, I don't know, whatever, just something that feels like there's life in it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so I can't sit here and tell you what the word should be, but I think that it, it only takes a little bit of thought to, to say, okay, here's, here's our tone. Here's our personality. And then let's just do that. You know, it, it's weird. Um, Again, I don't mean to talk so much about Land's End because Land's End's a different kind of company now than it was back then. They're trying to get their mojo back, believe me. Um, But, you know, the people on our phones, you've talked to them, James, were the farm people. They got up at four in the morning and hayed the fields and then, you know, logged into our computers and uh, talked to people. And our whole deal was be yourself and take as much time as you need. So, so we need to say, okay, even if you're chatting or tweeting or whatever, be yourself, have a personality. You've worked with some fabulous companies, companies that, you know, are, if I even just looking at the list on your, on your website, I mean, some of these names are so such household things that it's, uh, it's unreal. Um, and you've, you've, the, the one that I, I, I love is Zappos, uh, you know, this is huge amounts of, fabulous customer service stories that come from that business. Which of these businesses or which business did you work with where you were most surprised by something new that they were doing you hadn't seen before? You know, I, I've <clears throat> Zappos, my relationship with Zappos, I, I treasure, you know, all of my clients that you see on the, the website, I, I treasure the relationships with them. Um, mm-hmm. What we're seeing, which is really lovely um, and very inspirational are big business to business companies that are choosing to be human um, and grow that way. For example, one of my clients was a company called MSA. They are the world's largest manufacturer of hard hats and uh, safety equipment. Right. And um, one of the things, for example, they realized was that they were inadvertently penning their salespeople in um, around on rules around um, how much they could spend with a potential client. Um, so they'd say, "Okay, you have a thousand dollars," and the thousand dollars, you know, for sample hard hats or prototypes or whatever it was, it was a flat rate. Um, or they didn't even have any money, James. Let me correct myself. They had to ask for permission right. for anything. And, you know, right. here they have a potentially really big client, and now they've got to tell the client, hold on, I've got to go ask for permission if I could send you 30 hard hats instead of the five I'm given, right? 
And so they created something really cool that's grounded in trust called a virtual wallet, which is, look, you, we know you're the one having these conversations. We know you, we trust you uh, to spend what you need uh, to earn the trust of this customer and earn the admiration so that we earn the business. And really brave thing to do. Um, And so I've been really admiring clients like that, especially in B2B. I just did a keynote for DHL, uh, the supply side of their business, and and they too are doing fascinating things. I'm also really intrigued by some of the early, early adopters in healthcare. Um, Cleveland Clinic, I'm a great admirer of Cleveland Clinic. Um, there's some other really wonderful things going on, um, in healthcare in in many areas. Um, the Mayo Clinic, for example, knows and has spent enough time thinking about it that uh, testing equipment or whatever scares children, patients. So they hide it behind pictures and walls, you know? So it's just this, this eruption in, of, people being human and rethinking how they build buildings, how they um, bring a child into an operating room, how they um, there's a, there's a, a whole um, movement in Canada where they've hired designers to redesign hospital gowns for really sick teenagers so that they can have some personality at a time in their life of being who they are is really important to them. And, 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 and a lot of these are in my book called, what you do that to your mother? Um, and I, I, I applaud that. I applaud the disruptive nature of what they're doing to say, we can't keep going on as business as usual. There's so much we can learn from each business. And it's, it's, it's often such a blinkered process when they don't, when you talk about things like that, (laughs) I think, well, you know, I was working with a law firm who had a lot of families coming in and one of the things they didn't do was look after the kids. So we looked at how we did that, you know, and, yeah. and learned, learned from Pizza Express that you know, a little book and some fresh crayons and a nice hat to wear makes a hell of a difference to a little kid. Um, well, but there's it, so, so much like that we can do, isn't there? It, it does. And then even in law firms, what we're finding is even the mechanics of businesses like that that have been so entrenched in how they write a contract and how they have conversations. So much of it is around the process of the law versus the goal of the human. Right. And yeah. so we're finding in those very, they should be deep relationship businesses that have been overtaken with process. If you just switch it to start with the life and the goal, it the process will still kick in, but it feels completely different. And that's the thing, isn't it? That's the that's the thing we talk about is how it feels to us, not what we got from it. That's right. We could talk all day, and I think if I let myself, <laughs> I probably will. I'd love you to leave us, though, Jean, with your one big thing, one big golden nugget, something that businesses could do today to make their businesses better for today and better for the years to come. What would that be? You know, I think just put in your put in your mind, I'm going to give you two things that you have the power to improve lives, that your work is to improve a life, to earn the right. And that's this other thing. You need to earn it. You can't go get it or take it. You need to earn the right for somebody to say, because I was with them, here's how 
my life or my day was better. Um, to help people evaluate where they are in how they're being remembered and in, in recognizing it's not just about wacky mulling problems away, but the behaviors and how you do your work. I have a quiz at the top of my website. It says quiz, and it's broken into the four categories of, of leadership. And so I'd encourage you to go on there and take that quiz and see where you are in improving lives. Fantastic, Jim. Well, all the details of your links and what have you will be below the this uh, this podcast uh, file. But it, you know, it's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you so so much for your time and all the great thoughts you've given us too. Thank you, and and um, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And all the best to you and your family and your clients. And uh, what a joy! Thanks so much for having me, James. Yours too, Jim. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Only One Business Show. And I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.